Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis of The Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Monday afternoon on the show today. Texas women's gets a big win over the number two team in the country. The men's team gets a much needed win over the number 25 team in the country in their third Big 12 road win. Leading the Big 12 in road wins. Leading the Big 12 in something. We'll talk some Big 12 basketball. We'll also go into a little NBA talk as well with the trade deadline looming now on Thursday Get a little bit into the Pro Bowl and what all-star sports you're a fan of. Senior Bowl was this weekend, and the Super Bowl is next weekend, or was the last weekend, and this, I don't know which, I don't know how to say things. (laughs) Of course, we'll get into a whole lot more than that, and of course, your text messages, 512-447-3776-512-447-3776 is the text line number for you guys to join the show. You guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. That means whatever you guys want to talk about, your theories, your comments, questions, concerns, whatever it is, send those in on the text line. We'll get to the big fat poll of the day a little bit later where you guys can talk about that. But anything else, you want to talk about some Texas basketball, you want to talk about some Texas football, you want to talk about some Super Bowl action, you can do all of that on the text line, 512-447-3776. I hope everybody had a good weekend. Uh, the weather was pretty nice for most of it, I believe. Uh, Got to get out and enjoy some uh, enjoy some of the weather and just relax and chill. And now, you know, watch basketball. But, you know, without football, it doesn't feel as aggressive. It feels like the sports week, you know, the sports is kind of opening up because you watch a game, but it's only two hours of college basketball or three for NBA, two and a half, three for NBA. A little bit more opening where you can take a break and go walk the dog. It's nice, you know, get that part. It was, and it's not over yet. It's not where we get to the point where there starts to be less and less. And then we'll have baseball coming up soon enough. I know they're getting ready. Just did the uh, alumni game for Texas baseball as well. Getting into a, a good part of the season where it's it's not as cold anymore. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. 
I hope you guys are enjoying it too. And I hope you enjoyed a big win for Texas women's basketball that came on Sunday. They were taking on number two Kansas State here at Texas after having that big game at Baylor and a clutch win at Baylor. They come back home to the Moody and get another big win as they're continuing trying to find their footing as Roy Harmon went down with that injury. Uh, and it kind of felt like that could have been a you know a pretty hard blow to the team. They did drop a little bit, uh, had a little bit of struggles, seemed to be finding themselves now. Madison Booker having herself a season, another twenty three and six game. And someone else to note here uh, that just when you watch the game and you see what, what's happening in it, uh, Shea Holly, you have to look at what Shea Holly is doing and appreciate that this is someone who didn't get a ton of run uh, for most of her career was going to be a bench player and a, and, a, and a vital role for the uh, for the Longhorns this year behind Rory Harmon, but not necessarily the 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 one to take control of everything. She ends up playing 40 minutes in that game, and she doesn't score any points, but her impact is undeniable. Uh, her defense and her toughness, everything she does in that aspect. She also ends up with six assists and no turnovers. And if you're playing Vic Schaefer uh, basketball and you can play a full 40 minutes without getting pulled and it's not because you're putting up enough points that he has to leave you in, that means you're doing a lot of things right. So, so yeah, Shay Holly showing, you know, stepping up into that role where she's not necessarily going to be, you know, the player of the week every week, but just one of those pieces uh, when you put together really good programs and programs that are going to be able to compete later in the season and compete in tournaments and just compete at a high level defensively, which is what Texas wants to do. Shay Holly has been a big piece of that, and uh, and had one of those games where. You have to you have to make special note of when someone doesn't score, but still puts on a really good performance like she did uh, on Sunday. Going over to the men's side, the men were able to get a big win over TCU, number twenty five TCU on Saturday. It was a game that uh, really seemed like it was in chunks and in pieces. The Texas started out really unslow, you know, slow again. Really started out in that area that. You know, I don't know what it is, and you can tell it in their in their eyes that they're trying to play with composure. They're trying to play uh, intentional basketball when they come out. They're trying to, but they're not because there's no energy. There's no movement without the ball. There's no urgency to any part of the game. And, you know, it, it's a runner who comes out and is trying to make sure that, you know, they're going to be able to run the whole marathon, but you start out so slow that there's no shot you got near the end and then you're trying to catch up at the end and it just the pacing doesn't seem right for this team yet that the players just don't seem to get into that mindset early enough but then they do flip it on they get into those timeouts the timeouts Rodney Terry is able to get them back into where they need to be start picking up the action a little bit better and Texas is able to turn it around they come through the rest of the game Dylan DeSue coming in in pieces in the first half gets into foul trouble early has to miss some in that first half uh, but they were able to finish the half strong. Then in the second half, Texas is fighting into that area where it's a it's it's a real going back and forth. They're starting to trade buckets, which always worries you if you're a Texas fan because that's not Texas style of basketball, especially against a team like TCU who can score at that level. And so about eight minutes left in the game, seven minutes left in the game, you start to get a little – I started to get a little bit worried about uh, the, the fact that they were continuing – to try and trade baskets and the defensive pressure was not up enough and then we get to the defensive pressure starts to step up however that slows it down in the offensive end and they're not able to score and then Max Acemas who had not really had a big game hadn't been able to get the ball was basically getting put off I uh, wasn't thrilled with his uh, 
involvement of still trying to move around and break up a defense without the ball. I think, but I mean, that that is something he's never really had to do. It's something he needs to get better at considering he's going to go to a level of play where he's not going to be the guy next season, most likely. If he's if he's trying to get to that next level, he has to be able to learn to play without the ball more. Uh, so he didn't wasn't able to do that. However, you can't complain about anything he did at the end of the game where he ends up with 21 points and pretty much all of that comes down at the end of the at the end of the game that stretch there at the end where he just starts shooting lights out. He hits all his free throws. He does everything he needs to at the end of the game to pull away from uh, TCU and a big win for Texas being able to walk away, pull away from them at the end of the game, not allow them back in. Max Aismas has a great end of the game and you have to note a few of those pieces that Dylan Mitchell in you know you saw in that game and there's going to be more games like that this season that Dylan Mitchell we talked about it on Friday that this was going to be a game for him that was going to be a real he was the pace setter because he's going up against Emmanuel Miller who is going to be their guy and they're basically he is now in a position where they're going to drive the paint, which is what they did early. He's going to drive. They're going to drive the paint like BYU did against Texas and try and just go to the rim. And especially if Dylan Asu gets in foul trouble, Dylan Mitchell is the other help guy for trying to come in. And they're going to set up Emmanuel Miller at the three-point line. And every time they're going to drive the paint, they'll kick it right out to Emmanuel Miller. And I think they should have done it a million more times in the game. I don't know why they didn't. But it was a you know, you saw Dylan Mitchell get stuck in places in that game where he was stuck in between the rim protecting and trying to guard the three, which meant he couldn't really do either. And I think he got better later in the game showing energy and picking his battles. I think the rest of the guys found a better way to kind of stay in front of their guys, allow Dylan Mitchell to come over and help, allow rotations defensively to not allow Emmanuel Miller to get those wide-open threes where it looked like he was going to get more and more of those. He ends up shooting three for four from three, so I don't know why they did not try that more and more. Texas did adjust to it somewhat, but not fully enough. But the way it went is for a lot of games for the rest of this year for Dylan Mitchell, as much as he's not the guy, he's not going to be ever the guy that you're going to run your offense through. He's not the guy that you're really running your defense through. But he is so vitally important because of what his athleticism brings, because he's going to be a guy that teams are trying to attack, that players are going to want to go after because he is the NBA prospect. So the coaches may not be lining up, but players, he's going to be guarding those six, eight, six, nine guys that the NBA is also looking at. Dylan Mitchell, how he's going to be able to stay on the defensive end, continue to help in rim protection, but be able to go out and guard on the perimeter, stay in front of guys, and then in transition, in fast breaks, and cuts, in rebounding. He ends up with 11 rebounds, four offensive rebounds in that game. Those come out huge for Texas. He ends up with 13 points and 11 rebounds. It's a great line. Uh, he doesn't pick up a foul in the game either. Uh, and in reality, he held Emmanuel Miller to 15 points, which you can't complain. If Dylan Mitchell gives you 13 and he holds their leading score to 15, I don't think you can complain too much about that. You would have liked to see it for 40 minutes. It's a hard job. Uh, I think he did well for what the situation was and looked like a NBA talent at a lot of points in this game, which is what you wanted to see and an opportunity for him to do that. Uh, also a big moment for Caden Shedrick that they changed the rotation. Kendall Weaver gets into the starting lineup into this game. Uh, he's earned it. He's come from not playing a lot of minutes to we see him showing the energy, showing his ability to not turn the ball over, showing his ability to continue to grow and and make less mistakes. He gets into the position, gets into that starting lineup now as a third guard. IT Horton, 
who you really would love to have in there because the spacing is a little bit better with IT Horton in there. Uh, but he wasn't hitting threes anyway. And if he's not hitting shots, the spacing's not going to be better. You can't leave him wide open, but you don't have to be right on him at this point. Uh, so if he's not hitting those shots and he can't bring the defensive intensity and the rebounding that Kendall Weaver brings, then you're going to have to pull back on him a little bit. And I think we saw that uh, with Kendall Weaver in the starting lineup. Yeah, IT Horton only plays up three minutes in this game. But that allows for a different kind of lineup now where Caden Shedrick felt like he was playing a little bit better in this game. Uh, I think the rotation helped him out get into a little bit better flow. He ends up with nine points in the game, uh, some good rebounds. That uh, the, the goaltending call he got that ended up with a three I think was a BS call. I, I, it was a call by a ref who couldn't see the angle on it. Uh, it looked like even on the replay that it was behind the rim. Uh, so I, I, I was not a fan of the call, but I, I get why they did it, but I, I was not a fan of it. But I think he had some good plays in that game. Uh, he still needs to step up and continue to grow in the game, but this is the best he's looked in the last two or three. Basically, since the back spasms, this was probably the best he looked in a game, Caden uh, Shedrick. Tyrese Hunter, not his best game at all. Uh, I think that the guards and the size they were able to put on them at points really kind of threw him off, and the fact that they've been running that two-guard system with him and Max Asmus, and Max Asmus basically just walked away from the play a lot of times and tried to pull Micah Peavy, who's 6'8", 6'9". He kind of just tried to pull him away from the play a little bit. Uh, You know, again, not what I would love to see is, you know, an effective offense, but I think it put Tyrese Hunter in situations where he wasn't ready to, he was not expecting to basically have to run a system where he was the only point guard and they were playing a four-on-four game, and uh, he did not adjust uh, great to that. Uh, Ends up 3-9, 0-2 in the game. But, you know, at the end of the day, those types of plays, Brock Cunningham, of course, being able to hit two threes, he goes two for two for threes. That Brock Cunningham, if that guy comes back, who's able to play 23 minutes, but I think that's, again, part of the rotation of getting them a few more minutes and getting them in the game a little bit more and, and working that rotation. Now, his minutes will go down with Dylan DeSue's, I believe. Uh, I think that if DeSue, you know, doesn't get in foul trouble early, he plays at least 30 minutes in that game, which knocks down Brock some. But I think all of those pieces where – you don't really like to go into the tournament in a seven-man rotation. You'd like to find, be able to have another guard. I'd like to see Chris Johnson get another try if IT Horton is not going to be done. Uh, you know, you hope that at some point this benching of IT Horton allows him to start kind of figuring it and turning that corner. You'd like to be able to see that. Uh, I don't know how much it will, but that is something that you'd like to be able to see as they continue on uh, in the season the turnovers were too high in the game. The energy wasn't right at the beginning. Uh, you know, you, you allowed too high of a field goal percentage. There's plenty of stuff to work on, but you did get some of your pieces right for uh, Texas. You you out-rebounded them wholly. They only had 14 defensive rebounds. Uh, you had 14 offensive rebounds. Like that often, when you defense, when you are even offensive to defensive rebounds in a game, that's a crazy stat that doesn't happen often. That's a lot of effort from everybody on the roster, uh, everyone but Asmus and Horton, who only played three minutes, and, and Max Asmus had an offensive rebound. That type of gang rebounding for Texas is going to be a piece that if they can continue to do that and not allow the fast break points, which TC only had 16, uh, not the end of the world. Texas also attacked the paint well in the game, 44 points in the paint. 
But yeah, those second chance points, 17 second chance points to five from TCU. The rebounding advantage, that energy, what we said that what they found against Houston, where Houston was able to come in and and go at him in a high clip. That's what you want to see from this Texas team as they continue on and take on an Iowa State team on uh, Tuesday. You're going to need that intensity uh, against Iowa State. It's another good team. It is your sixth-ranked team in a row. You're going to have to continue to to work and push on those types of things. But, you know, you showed, again, you showed pieces of what you need. Now can you start to push that for more and more of 40 minutes? Uh, strength and conditioning is going to be a huge part, as we saw they're down to a seven-man rotation right now. That is a tight rotation. You really like to be at eight-man, but IT Horton playing three minutes, I'm not counting him as part of that. That means you're really at a seven-man rotation now uh, for Texas pretty early into where you want to be. You may be in a seven-man when you get to the tournament, but, man, uh, it, it's going to be all, all hands on deck uh, for everybody, those seven guys, that they re- all need to be contributing at a high clip now and stay in conditioning because that that's a tight roster. And if anything happens, you know, you have to worry about that. But right now, Rodney Terry is still getting this team to grow. And it's in a position that you feel that there is some, you know, more of when you look at it, that it, it, the Dylan DeSue injury early in the season just hurt this team's growth at a level of not being able to find your right lineups that work until well into Big 12 play. And you're just kind of behind the eight ball, but you're trying to figure it out now. And uh, that's what you're going with. You'll see how it works Tuesday against Iowa State. Uh, a couple other big games happening in the Big 12. We said Houston. There is a big game, Houston at Kansas. Again, this was a Kansas home home court advantage all day long. Houston just could never get it going, and Kansas could not turn it off. They were just dominating this game. They win 78-65. to 65. Uh, Jamal Sheed has to have big games for Houston. Uh, LJ Cryer had a, a decent amount of points, but it was on under 50% shooting. So it's not necessarily what you need to see there. When Jamal Sheed goes two for nine for seven points, they're a very beatable team. And uh, Kansas ends up shooting 69% from the field, 46% from three. They out-rebound Houston as well. They use their size. They, I think they were able to watch and, and get in there and use the size and advantage that Texas did not have. Uh, they are a little bit bigger maybe with a couple guys, but overall not bigger than Houston. Kansas does have size. They're able to get the rebounding advantage. And Houston just shoots 36%, 31 from three. Not enough firepower when you're going up against a team that was shooting as well and scoring as well as, as Kansas was. sixty, like Almost 70% from the field. It's just a crazy number to be shooting against one of the best defensive teams. That's that road advantage, uh, uh, home court advantage in the Big 12. Iowa State loses to Baylor 70-68 to at Baylor. Another matchup of two top 25 teams. This was a weird game. Scott Drew gets ejected for coming out of the coaching box. It's an annoying thing that some refs get really, really up about, especially if they're getting yelled at during the game and they don't like it. They'll use that as their excuse to call technicals. That's what it kind of felt like that Baylor was complaining too much. And so they used the fact that he was out of the coach's box. Every coach gets out of the box almost every game. Bob Huggins was the only guy who didn't really do it. Uh, but everyone, you know, especially in big moments, gets out of their coaching box. It just happens. You have to be a little bit nicer about it. Uh, there's 55 total free throws in that game. I get why both coaches are upset. Uh, it ends up with uh, Keyshawn Gilbert with 24 points in the game. And uh, Milan Momchevich uh, hits three at the very end. It's after the buzzer, so it does not count. And Baylor gets away with a win. 
Uh, a big road win, though, over the Big 12 on the weekend. Cincinnati gets a win over Texas Tech, 75-72. to Cincinnati just hung with them the whole game, playing them tough. Uh, they, I mean, if you look at everything, you watch the game, the, the stats, everything's pretty evenly matched. Uh, the reality was the defense was a little bit too much for Pop Isaacs. He goes 5 for 19. He still gets 22 points. But, you know, that that bulk shooting is never a good sign. And when you get their star player, their best offensive player in a Tech system, uh, it, it does hurt them a little bit. They And Cincinnati's able to pull out a big win over Texas Tech on the road. Uh, let's hit a little NBA before we hit the break. Uh, we also got the Pelic- the Spurs go on, lose both games over the weekend. They took on the Pelicans and the Cavs. They lose the Pelicans 114-113, a really big game. Zion hits a game winner there. Uh, but a good step forward for te- for the Spurs in that game of hanging with a top power uh, and doing really well, even with Keldon Johnson out. Uh, then we see the Cavs uh, just take care of it, 117-101 to 101 over the Spurs. The Spurs do fight back in that one, but Evan Mobley too much early on. He just gets it going, and uh, the Spurs are not able to match up with all of the, the, the weapons that the Cavs end up having. Uh, Rockets split their weekend series. They play on Friday. They beat the Raptors 135-106, to 106, 84 points in the paint for the Rockets in that game. They're able to get it going. Uh, Yaka Pertle was out, so there was no real competition for Shingun to go inside and open up the game. Uh, uh, Cam Whitmore had a big game in there, too. And uh, on, then on Sunday, the Timberwolves, again, one of the best teams in the West, beats the Rockets 111-90. to uh, Too much size then for the Rockets, who don't necessarily have the defensive bigs. Uh, Anthony Edward goes off for 32 points in that game. The Mavericks only played on Saturday. They lose a game with the Bucks, where it is a lot of scoring, 129 to 117. Giannis, there's no stopper. That's why the Mavs want to bring in a power forward. Is there some of these teams that are just killing them right now with power forwards? And Giannis puts up 48 points, six assists in 10, six rebounds and 10 assists. Uh, Doncic puts up 49 and 11, but not enough to get it done. Kyrie Irving supposed to be back tonight. He was not back for that game. Maxi Kleba, though, actually has a good game, 21 points in that game, uh, trying to show off a little bit. Uh, one of those guys, not consistent, not necessarily uh, you know, physical enough and strong enough at a lot of those points, but he can have good games. And you know, used correctly, Maxi Kleba can be an okay piece for your team. You'd like him to be your backup power forward, like in that backup forward role. That's where you'd like to be, uh, but you know, the, the Mavs just haven't been able to find their guys and the injuries have not allowed them to do that. Uh, the Mavericks tonight taking on the 76ers should be an interesting matchup because we know that Joel Embiid is starting is going to have surgery on his left meniscus, he had an injury on his left meniscus. He is out till scheduled right now, April 15th. There's some hope that he may be able to come back early. I don't know if Joel Embiid is a guy I'm believing is going to come back early. I don't know if they should rush him back. Uh, he was playing amazing this season. Uh, I'm sure they're going to fight this back that this was a 65 game rule and he should have been on the court, but I believe it was just a, more of a you know a natural injury that ends up there. Uh, to just for a note, when they say April 15th, the regular season ends on April 14th, I believe. So it would be they're hoping to have him back by the playoffs, uh, but a huge blow for the 76ers who've been playing really well this season. Uh, but he ends up getting hurt. It does open the door. Kyrie Irving should be returning for uh, the Mavs tonight. I believe Lively is out, uh, but Kyrie Irving should be returning. So it'll be a, a very big chance for the for the Mavs to get a big win over an Eastern Conference top opponent. Let's get to the big fat poll of the day. We'll get to some of your text messages. Patrick. 
Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. Big Fat Poll of the Day today, 512-447-3776. Big Fat Poll of the Day today with the Pro Bowl this weekend. It was an interesting what they're trying to do to change it. Having it over a few multiple days and doing the, you know, on Thursday and then putting it off till Sunday. I don't know why I would have put those a little bit closer together, I guess, trying to spread it out for, you know, press and because it is, you know, Super Bowl, it's done right before the Super Bowl. But Pro Bowl weekend, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. But I think that's a lot of all-star weekends. So the question is, for you guys, what's the best all-star event in sports? And now we can go into the best league. So is it, you know, the NBA? Is it is it NFL? Is it is it the hockey and NHL? Is there a soccer one that they're doing well in? What's the best MLB, their MLB weekend? Is it that? Or is it the home run derby? Is it the slam dunk contest, skills competition, three-point shootouts? Is it one of these new games? It can you just tell me all the things you like and I'd love to hear the what's what's all the things that you would say I would want to watch this I want to watch this and maybe something that you go I don't care about any of this or this was stupid and I didn't like that I'd love to hear more about what is good in All Star Weekends as we try and solutions oriented figure out ways to make All Star Weekend and suggestions for All Star Weekends to make them a little bit more fun and a little bit more I I don't know if you can make them competitive anymore. Uh, just really in any sport because of, you know, players just realizing that it's not worth it, that the money no longer, you know, can make make it really worth it. So you have to make it to where it's competitive. We'll talk more about the Pro Bowl uh, in the 5 o'clock hour as well because we'll put in the NFL segment. But I'm just curious, 512-447-3776, what's the best all-star event in sports? What's your thought on all-star games? The Pro Bowl just happened, NBA, NHL, all-stars are coming up as well. We know MLB, they have, you know, the home run derby, but should you want them to add other sport other, you know, skills competitions in MLB? Let us know on the text line 512-447-3776. We come back we're going to play an interview from uh, hook him up with Jerry Hamilton from this morning. Uh we come back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260 the Horn app and hornfm.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn.
Back on the sports complex here on the horn. Theme of the week, Super Bowl halftime performers. So we get in. I was thinking of what to do with the Super Bowl. We're going with the halftime performers. Some good people on that list. Some people I'd probably leave off that you really liked. Because I, I, they didn't necessarily have the greatest bring back intro music. <laughs> Some I like that I didn't make it on the list. But we got, uh, yeah, we got songs for you this week. Super Bowl halftime performers is on the list. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Usher. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I I've been blown away by people that I thought would be just okay before, and I've I've also been very right about people that I thought would be just okay. Uh, I don't normally think anything's gonna be terrible. Uh, there's stuff that I'm like I don't care, and so I'll just leave. But I, I'm usually hanging out with other people, so you know I can do whatever I need to do in that moment. Uh, text lines open five one two four four seven three seven seven six. Uh, what is the best all-star event in sports? Your thoughts on all-star uh, events. We'd love to hear them on the text line 512-447-3776. I'm going to play this interview from Jerry Hamilton from Hook 'em Up uh, this morning. He joined the show. Always good when he joins it because uh, some great info from Jerry Hamilton. So we'll play that inter- for you, interview for you right now on a little Hook 'em Up replay here on the Sports Complex. Let's go to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. Uh, he is one of our favorites. We've leaned on him a little bit here with Rod being out uh, today. He is our he's the senior national recruiting analyst with On3 Sports. He's also a big part of the On Texas Football YouTube channel, which is blowing it away, doing a great job. He is Jerry Hamilton. Jerry, happy Monday. How are you, man? I'm good, man. Yeah, I heard Rod's running the four-hour offense this morning. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be all hopped up on goofballs. You know what I'm saying? Uh, getting those... <laughs> he's getting his four wisdom teeth out. He's running the four-out offense. Yeah, man, that's going to be. Have you where 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 do you stand with your wisdom teeth? I still have mine in my in my head here. Where where do you have you ever had yours out? I told Rod last night on Texas football. I was like, dude, I like that's like very late in life to have your wisdom teeth out. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, are his growth plates still open? Is he going to be like six one in a year from now or something? I had <laughs> yeah, mine so. out when I was seventeen, I think eighteen. No, I I never did. I still have mine, so uh, they're still rocked in it, rocked in there. And ready there to you go. go. But, uh, hey, what did you make of the game on Saturday? Ty and I talked about it, and uh, you know, kind of feels like it could be a turning point to the Longhorn season. Coming off the tough loss to Houston, uh, looking at a tough road environment where they had the the student section was all jacked up with their uh, ups, you know upside down horn T-shirts and whatnot. Man, to win that ball game, to do it the way they did with Max Aismas going absolutely radioactive there in the last four minutes, uh, that just feels like a, such a confidence builder for the Horns. What did you see Saturday? Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked about it before, but, you know, as long as they play through Ace Must. What happened? Yeah, call him back. That sounded like we got disconnected, obviously, and that that came pretty quick. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll get Jerry Hamilton uh, uh, reestablished. The call to get this. I'm here. Oh, there you go. There you go. Hey, Jerry. Yeah. Jerry, you still here? All right. Sorry. Okay, you were talking about yeah, if I'm they here. can play through. Go ahead. If you pick up that conversation, you were talking yeah. about if they can play yeah. through Ace Must and DeSue. I think they can play through Desu uh, and Asmus. I think that they have the ability to score enough points. And I always look at 75 as the magic number. If you can score 75 points in talent-neutralized or close-talent-neutralized situations on the road or neutral, you can win a lot of games. And Texas offensively does have that ability. I mean, they put up 77 at TCU, right? I mean, that is a really good number. They shot 51% from the field. Now, 50 from three. Brock Cunningham, 2-2. Two of two. It was nice to see him hit a couple of threes, right? Max with the two late ones. Uh, Dylan hit a couple of threes as well. Been 13-15 of 15 from the free throw line. 
So what that did by them having a little better than average game from three and the free throw line is they overcame overcome 16 turnovers, a lot of those unforced, just poor turnovers uh, by Texas in that game. But if they play through Dissou and Asmus and everybody else plays complementary around those guys, Texas can score the basketball at the level needed to win games against quality opponents. I mean, that is the bottom line with this team. The key there, too, the third key with that to me is if they can hang, if they can be average on the boards, you know, if they can if they can create a net zero, or if they're plus on the on the boards, they are they have a chance to have some a really good close to the season. That's the key because. Look, with two smaller guards, you have to have elite rim protection behind them to be a great defensive team. That Texas doesn't have that. Um, so they have to rebound the ball well. They have to match physicality. I think the TCU game came, coming after the Houston game was probably a good thing because U of H plays bully ball and beat them up a little bit. So Texas came into the TCU game with, uh, with the, the objective to be physical, and they were more physical in that game. Obviously, they weren't playing Houston but they were more physical in that game. So if you put all that together, this team has a chance to win a lot of games, and they're going to have to because the rest of the schedule is just brutal. I mean, this, but this is a huge week coming up, Aaron, for Texas. I mean, if they can – they're now 4-4 four and four in quad one wins. It was two weeks ago we were saying, is this team an NCAA tournament team? And at the time I said, you know, if you look at bracketology, they're not. But now if you, you wake up this morning and you open up Ken Pomroy, Texas is 26. You look at Bart Torvik's rankings. Texas is 22. You look at NCA net, Texas is 32. They're four and four in quad one games. And they have a bunch of quad one games left. And one of those is Tuesday night against Iowa State, who's a very good team. Not a good free throw shooting team, but a very good team overall. Yeah, I mean, uh, huge wins. Three three quad one wins on the road, which is uh, impressive as well. And we'll yes. get a little bonus for that with Cincinnati, OU, and now TCU. And it's funny how it seems like they do play better on the road than at home right now. Uh, I will say those those couple of those home losses came very early in conference play when they were still trying to you know build some chemistry with Dylan DeSue and get him back inserted into this this lineup. And uh, it does feel like they found it. Boy, well, what you saw from Max Acemus, Jerry, in those final you know, four possessions. That's why if this team does make the tournament, which they turned a big corner on on Saturday, they're a handful because Max Acemus led Oral Roberts to the Sweet 16. That guy can get on a heater, and that's the kind of guard play and, and scoring that will win games come tournament time. And you can run a two-man game with him and Sue when it counts. Down the stretch of games in the NCAA tournament, that is huge because both guys can shoot the three. Both guys make free throws. And it's not often you have a big that can stretch the floor and knock down the three, and then if you foul him, he goes and knocks down the free throws as well. So they have a great two-man game to attack with when the time comes where they need to do that. And then you can put the ball in the right guy's hands at the end of the game and know they're going to knock down free throws. That's a huge thing. So if you ever get up and TCU had the foul, who they have to foul? They had to foul Max Aceman. And what he knocked down four or four there at the end of the game to really keep that lead stretched. And Jamie Dixon pretty much, he pretty much called the dogs off it with 35 seconds left, right? Uh, but yes, that that gives them the ability. And I think moving Hunter off the ball and Max on the ball has been big as well because I think it's given that offense more flow. I think the ball in his hands, people have to hard hedge out the 27, 28 feet on him. And they have to blitz ball screens, and that's creating a lot of open floor space for everybody else. And I think that's a good thing. And I'll say this, Aaron, the next two weeks are huge for this basketball team. 
Yeah, I'll just run it down. You have Iowa State, our top 15 team at home Tuesday. You have West Virginia, who will limp in Austin Saturday. You go to Houston, and then you have Kansas State at home, who's struggling as well. If Texas, and they haven't been able to do it, if they can win their three home games, I mean, they're then going to move all in this bracketology, Joe Lombardi's bracketology. If they win three in the next four games, they're going to be sitting on the six seed line in no time. I mean, that's how much things can change in the Big 12 because it's such a great conference. Yeah, uh, that stretch, obviously, that game at Houston is a challenge and daunting, but uh, the others at home and uh, biggest game of that stretch is tomorrow night with Iowa State coming as a top 15 that's team. Right. Uh, we'll look forward to that and preview it for sure. Uh, Jerry Hamilton with us, uh, the best and the senior uh, recruiting analyst at On3 Sports, also with the On Texas Football Channel. Hey, I saw where Dane Brugler, theathletic.com, uh, named Tavondre Sweat the best defensive tackle in, in uh, Mobile. Uh, he he kind of gave out senior bowl performers by position and said Tavondre Sweat at 360 uh, was the best D tackle there. Uh, are you are you are you bullish on Tavondre Sweat as a as a top 30 kind of draft pick, first round pick, in c- come April? I, I'm not right now. I I don't think it. I, I'm not saying it's not. It's out of the question. I think it's possible, but I, I think there's some weight concerns there, and uh, and, and the NFL thinking is he just a first and second down player. If that is the conclusion at the end of it, he, he, he's going to need that test interview well down the stretch, too. And not that that testing really matters. We're not talking 40 times. We're talking 10-yard splits, shuttles, all those type of things. But, um, you know, if he can drop a little bit of weight, uh, that will help him. But I think right now I'm more in the second to third round with him. I think Byron Murphy is the more likely first-round guy because he's a little bit – he's a better pass rusher. Um, so I think the key, that's the key with Tavondre Sweat, is if there's a teams that need a first, second round, first, second down guy, then I can, I can see him moving up their board. But if he's considered just a first and second down player, I could actually see him slide in late second, early third. Interesting. Uh, that senior bowl, obviously, draft the draft begins in Mobile, as they say, uh, with that senior bowl. Uh, real quick, before I ask you a couple other college football questions, what do you make of the the quarterback struggles there? Bo Nix and Michael Penix apparently both uh, underwhelmed. Um, you know, they were talking about slippery ball or whatever and other things, and lack of familiarity with receivers. But uh, uh, in the end, it was Spencer Rattler who, according to Dane Brugler, was the best quarterback all week in in. Uh, in Mobile, how does that does that, that change anything for you? We know Caleb Williams and Drake May and Jaden Daniels are at the top, but Penix and Bo Nix. What are your thoughts on the on the quarterback class? Yeah, you know Penix is a guy that obviously has been popular on, on Texas football YouTube channel and, and and talking with Texas fans. I, I thought if Texas fans only watched him against Texas, they think he's a great player. I've never been in that opinion. I think Kalen DeBoer did such a great job putting him in a position to succeed. Uh, that I, I'm not sure his his game translates. I'm not saying he's not going to make it in the NFL. I, I'm not sure his game translates as well as maybe some people think it does. I, I, I think when he's under duress, his accuracy drops a lot. Um, and, and I think when he's comfortable in the pocket, he is very good. But the pl- second the, at the, the point where you can put him into duress and make him throw it on the move, his accuracy numbers go way down. And I think, you know, the NFL's all, all they're looking for is warts, right? I mean, they've seen the good tape. They're looking for warts. Um, and so I, I think it'll be interesting how he's kind of graded as this process goes along. Um, you know, Bo Nix, right, he played in a really good scheme at Oregon. Is that scheme what the NFL is going to look like? No, not really. Um, I think Bo Nix has talent. I think he's got really good 
uh, functional athleticism at the position. Um, do I think either one of those guys are going to go on and be stars in the NFL? I don't. I could be completely wrong. I don't think Rattler is either, by the way. Um, so I think the top of this quarterback draft, and look, I, I'm, I'm, Aaron, I'm a little different on Caleb Williams. I think he is a tremendous talent. Um, do I think he's going to be a great player? I'm, I'm not willing to say that. I, I think there's some some flags for me there, um, you know, with him. So I, I think it's going to be very interesting draft uh, because you're, the quarterbacks are going to go high. Caleb Williams, Drake May. I think Drake May has a lot of NFL upside with his game, but and, and Jaden Daniels, obviously. But I'm not sure I see a great player in that group. Uh, that's just me. I could be wrong. Uh, Jerry Hamilton with us. Hey, Jerry, let me ask you this, too, because uh, one of the things we've talked about a lot on, on Texas football and here on uh, with Rod and myself is 2024 and this next six months is big for college football. I do believe with, you know, the, the conference consolidation all happening in July when, you know, the Texas and OU join the SEC and the Big 12 adds there four new and, you know, the Big 10 goes to 18, ACC goes to 18, uh, plus the big TV deals kick in with ESPN and Fox and everything. Um, you know, we know they've got to put some some restrictions on this. They've got to put some guardrails on this system right now. And the late Friday, kind of a Friday dump, um, the announcement came down that the SEC and the Big Ten are forming an advisory group to address issues in college sports. Uh, and according to Greg Sankey, this is an alliance between the two biggest conferences. It says it's uh, the challenges, including but not limited to recent court decisions, pending litigation, a patchwork state of law or patchwork of state laws, complex governing proposal. Is this the first step? I guess is my question to to actually doing something about what's going on. Uh, we've asked who's going to do it. Uh, would this be when the Big Ten and the uh, SEC get together and say, look, we have to come to to an agreement on how we're going to run this thing? What do you what do you make of what came down on Friday? Yeah, I, I think this is the first power play by the conferences uh, versus the NCA a little bit is what I'm seeing. Um, and I and I thought I thought all along we're headed to two 24 team super conferences in college football, and everybody else is going to get go by the wayside. Um, I, and I think this is clearly where it's headed. I think this is another sign uh, for that with me. Uh, but I'm not a guy that will have all the answers on this topic. That's for sure. Um, I think Bobby Burton has more thoughts on this uh, maybe than I do. But I do think this is the first time we're, we're really seeing the Big Ten and the SEC, which are going to be your two power conferences long-term in college football, kind of say, all right, we're going we are going to take, in our own way, we're going to take control of this. Um, and so I think the battle started is essentially what just happened on Friday. Yeah, I agree with you. Hopefully it's the first step of many because this is, you know, it, you know, season's over. Now it's about, you know, the, the, the school presidents meet for their winter and spring meetings. The conferences get together. Uh, that's where a lot of these, you know, really heavy and important conversations can be had because obviously we know there, there has to be some guardrails put into what's currently happening, the wild, wild west, and what's going on right now with portals and NIL just not, not sustainable long term. It's good. There are good. There are good growth ideas for college football, but they need some some structure, obviously, and someone to control that structure. And maybe the first step on that came down on Friday. Hey, Jerry, we appreciate it, my friend. We know you got uh, coffee and football coming up with the On Texas Channel coming up at eight o'clock. Thanks so much for the visit again and uh, the insight on Texas hoops and uh, a little college football. Thanks, my friend. You got it, guys. Thanks. Good stuff there from hooking up with Ian and Rod B. Talking with uh, Jerry Hamilton there on weekday morning six to eleven here on the Horn and some other. News pretty breaking that could be uh, impactful when they're talking about that 
uh, advisory board from the Big 12 and the SEC. I'll get into more of that in the 5 o'clock because that just happened very recently. Uh, we'll talk about what that and, and how it could expedite things a little bit more for college sports in general. We'll talk about that. When we come back, though, we'll get to your text messages, 512-447-3776, 512-447-3776. We're asking you, what is the best All-Star event in sports? Your thoughts on All-Star weekends and All-Star games and the Pro Bowl just happened, and they had a bunch of different games. What was your favorite of that? If you watched any of it, do you like any of the NBA All-Star Weekend? That's coming up shortly. NHL, is there anything there? MLB, you love the home run derby, the MLB game. They're trying to make it matter. What is it to you that is your favorite part? What do you like about it? What do you not like? 512-447-3776. And anything you want to talk about, college basketball, pro basketball, NFL, college football, we can talk about that too on the text line, 512 447 Three seven seven six. We'll come back. We'll get to your text messages. We come back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex of the Horn. Back in Sports Complex here on the Horn on a Monday afternoon. Text lines open 512-447-3776. Poll of the day. What is the best all-star event in sports? Anything you want to talk about all-star up to the Pro Bowl weekend? I don't know how many people have watched it. I did my part. I, I, I tuned in. You know, there wasn't any other football on. I saw. I thought, why not tune in to watch that as well? Yeah, once we get to the 5 o'clock hour, we'll get into a little... You know, Senior Bowl and NFL, get ready for the Super Bowl, some coaching news. We'll get into all that and a big story that is breaking right now that is not necessarily big in what it is, but what it could mean to college sports is pretty big. So we'll mention all of that when we come back in the 5 o'clock. But let's get to the text line, 512-447-3776. Texter says, is everyone excited for T-Swizzle to return from her please make it stop to her to have her boyfriend propose to her at the football festival or whatever this weekend. I I I stay away from talking Taylor Swift now because it is on my timeline constantly of either side and people I just stay away from talking about it. I think we have enough of it. So I I, I just stay away from it. That's that's be the change you want to see in the world. I, I don't care, so I, I stay away from it. Uh Shay Holly's a female Brock Cunningham who's a poor man's Kendall Weaver. I love them all. Uh, I believe Shay is also a Westlake uh, student as well, Westlake kid as well. So uh, it can make sense, you know. It makes sense that they they have the comparison. But yes, uh, great effort from Shea Holly on Sunday and, and this whole season. But stepping in for Rory Harmon. But yes, a, a big game for her on Sunday. Jimmy the Gringo says, "What do you think Texas needs for uh, as far as a as players or efforts to be able to go deep in the tournament come March?" From Jimmy the Gringo, uh, I will say. I think, you know, you need Dylan to to continue playing at his level, get a little bit, maybe, you know, work on that a little bit more. I did really like what he did in that game of where, and I don't know if it's so much him or Rodney or a a combination, but early in the game, he was just kind of going up against Uda and, 
he just was undersized in that thing and was able to get pushed back on it and his moves weren't working. And so they just stretched him out a little bit more. And if you have a big like that, Dylan the Sioux does bring that ability to be able to draw your guys out uh, and then drive past him because he's more athletic than most of those seven-footers are going to be that are going to be able to stop him in the post. So he can step out and hit threes and make you pull it out and let other guys attack. Or if you want to stay in the paint, then he can – and if you if you go, okay, well, now we'll pull him out and put in a younger guy or a smaller guy who can run with Dylan Dessou, then he has those low post moves and ability to open up a little bit of space and make those shots. So he has to step up. And really, Max Aismas needs to be able to play 40 minutes uh, of being able to score consistently for Texas to have a shot when you get in the tournament. As far as any other players, you just need Max Aismas to be – more of a 25 and thir- to 30 guy and not where he's at right now, which is a 15 to 20 guy, and then he'll get some more on uh, free throws. You really want him to be scoring 25. Uh, that'll be Texas at their best right now. And, and Tyrese Hunter, you know, it, it is. When you have a seven-man rotation, everybody has to step up. Tyrese Hunter had a, a slower game, and, you know, that, that hurts all the way down the line. You also want to see Caden Shedrick step up more. Uh but, yeah, I mean, we could go through. The, all seven of them need to step up if they want to have a shot because they just don't have necessarily the deepest or talentedest roster uh, in the NCAA. So to have a shot as you start getting into the tournament and the Big 12 tournament, it, you really need uh, extraordinary performances out of some of the guys who've shown that ability at certain times this season. Uh, my man, Nate, I do appreciate you trying to make me laugh. I appreciate that. You know, man, Chan says Donna Summers rocks. Uh, yes, uh she she is uh, Diana Ross. Sorry, Diana Ross. I said Donna Summers. Diana Ross uh, rocks. Uh, yeah, she's she's pretty good. She was one of the ones. She's one of the ones uh, that is a, a part. We're playing all Super Bowl halftime performers. She was one of the first. I think it was a, it was a celebration of something. But she was the like the main event doing everything. Uh, most of those Super Bowl halftime shows, other than like her and Michael Jackson, were a group of people and everybody keep coming out and. Those were not always the best. Not always the best. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get to more of your text messages, and we will get into some football talk and a story that is breaking right now that could have effects across the world of college sports, not just football, not just basketball, but across college sports. We'll get into that as we continue the sports complex here on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com.